This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. And I am your host, Rita Horner. Welcome, everyone, to NFL Friday, our weekly NFL podcast. It is, of course, Friday, the Friday before week 11 in the NFL. I'm joined by Devin Clemente, Evan Janikin, and Jimmy Sullivan. How are you guys doing today? Oh, I should also point out Evan is here to do the uh, fantasy updates with yes. sleepers. Uh, good guys to start. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> doing great. Guys man. that uh, maybe will surprise you. Anyways. Devin, how are you doing today? Doing great. Really excited to talk some ball with you guys. Let's go. Some ball? That might Let's be the right. That might be picking pod, buddy. <laughs> nah, it's football, bro. <laughs> Jimmy? I'm good, Reed. How about yourself? I'm not doing too bad. I kind of just recently woke up because I was working on some video stuff for us here. So coming soon. But I'm excited to talk about the NFL, especially since uh, we're getting to that point in the year, and you guys can always interject. But I think we're getting to that point in the year where we really start to learn what teams are going to be actual legit threats for uh, already contenders in the league or or who are the actual contenders. I really kind of go after Thanksgiving, but obviously Thanksgiving's approaching. Do you guys feel the same way? Yeah, I mean, still, even even after Thanksgiving, you're talking about week 12, there's still over a month left of the season. Typically, these things aren't resolved till week 16, week 17. There's a lot of teams in the NFC. Um, aside from the really top tier that that really have been the best teams in the NFL, like the Saints and the Rams, yeah, but we're starting. Uh, that's what I mean. We're but, starting to really see who those people are. Sure, but right? I mean, you you also have teams like the teams that played last night, the Seahawks and the Packers, who I think ha- certainly have the ability to make a run at the playoffs at a wild card spot. And we still haven't really figured out what they are. I think that the Packers have a really improved defense, obviously. In my opinion, the greatest quarterback of all time in Aaron Rodgers. The Seahawks. Have, <laughs> the Seahawks. Might I, th- not I think have... you mispronounced most talented. No, no. The greatest. The greatest. The one greatest, Super Bowl. One Super Bowl. Super. It's a team. Okay. It's a team game. The ultimate team game. <laughs> oh lord. And and the Seahawks on the other side, on paper, definitely don't have one of the most talented teams in the league, but they're getting it done, and they absolutely have a shot, especially after beating a really good Packers team last night. See, Reed, I'm actually not with you on that. Not the the quarterback thing, but the the stand. Devin didn't seem like he was with me either. Well, <laughs> you know, no. I I I, I, well, well, I my point was that well, I don't mind. There's it. still so much season to be played. There's still so much time for these teams to really figure out who they are, and I don't think we know it yet either. I, I like to start paying attention to this stuff like first week in December because how many teams have we seen cough cough the Chiefs peter out in December like every year? Absolutely. It always it always Absolutely. happens. There's two or three teams that just sort you of you don't believe in them this year. Fade. No. I, I mean, I'm just saying in the past, like last year, they, they came out like a bat out of hell and they finished losing to the Titans in a playoff game that they should have won. But anyway, I, I look, like to pay attention in December because one, those are the climates where teams are going to be playing in January in the playoffs. And two, because I think that's sort of the test of, of where everybody's at, where they can get that momentum, go into the playoffs, or they could just fade out of the picture. I mean, there's so many teams right now. I mean, even you look at a team like the Colts, they're four and five. You know, there's nothing stopping them from maybe going on a run here. So I, I want Especially in a wide-open AFC right. South. Exactly, because, I mean, you look at the playoff picture right now, they're only a game behind the Bengals at 5-4, and four, and there's so many teams stacked there. So I like to look at it in December because that's when teams, I think, start to separate themselves. All right, well, let's look at uh, two teams that played last night. Devin mentioned them a little bit earlier, but it was Green Bay and Seattle, two teams that many people, I think, 
Well, many people would say that are underachieving to a certain extent. Devin just said the uh, absurdity of, of, of Aaron Rodgers. There's being nothing the absurd about that. Of all if, time. if if you watch Aaron Rodgers, for and and granted, like we weren't able to watch guys like Dan Marino or Warren Moon, quarterbacks like that, but we have been able to see Peyton Manning and Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. And if you just watch them, Aaron Rodgers does the most with the least, and Aaron Rodgers is by far and away the most cor- talented no, quarterback. You. I of think all time. he's the most talented quarterback of all time. But when you, I go greatest, you need a resume. You, you need more no, of a resume. That's, that, that's absurd. He, if you had, if you had a, to pick, if you if you were drafting a team and you had to pick one quarterback out of every quarterback that's ever played, there is no doubt in it, it, you're pretty much alluding to this by saying he's the most talented quarterback ever. Yeah. That you would pick Aaron Rodgers. That's the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah, yeah but, but I think the thing we're talking about is like, okay, if you were resume. to make, if you were to make like a legacy score, like they do, you know, on Madden or one of but these that's other absurd videos, it's not absurd. <laughs> it he's is absolutely po- absurd because Tom Brady has always had the talent around him. He's had. Pretty arguably the greatest coach of all time, him and Vince Lombardi. I mean, the, these are these are things that are out of his control that he gets the benefit of. That I think that's pretty ridiculous. But I don't agree with that though, because if you watch last year's Super Bowl, if he hits that hail mary, he sets the all time single game passing record in Super Bowl history. And he didn't have, I mean, sure. he, yeah, he had talented oh. guys around him, and I oh. get that. But man, I mean, some of the throws this guy makes still. I, uh, at 40 listen, years I'm, old not, I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm not saying that Tom Brady is not a great. No, quarterback. I know. I know. I'm, I'm, quick, I'm also, the- however, just I know we're gonna get into the game. I just wanna I just wanna make my point is that also. Three or four, I forget what the number is, three or four of the five Super Bowls he won were won without him on the field. I don't think that you can say he won Super Bowl 49 against the Seahawks oh, I when Malcolm Butler, if they run the ball, they probably lose. Well, he wasn't on well, the yeah, field? He threw what? for 100 yards in his first Super Bowl win. Okay, but he also had the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history against the Falcons. I'm, I'm not agree doing with this. that. I agree this. with that, but to, but, oh to argue, but to argue that the five Super Bowls make him the greatest quarterback ever is just <laughs> ridiculous. Okay, Absolutely ridiculous. I'll make one point before we go on. What I was saying is in terms of greatest of all time is you need a resume. Go to music. Hopefully some people understand what I'm about to say. Kanye West comes to rock, rock nation under Jay-Z, right? I look at him as the greatest producer of all time or one of them, one of the greatest of all time, right? He had that talent when he entered rock nation, but the moment he did, he wasn't the greatest of all time then. Why? Because he hadn't done graduation. He hadn't done all the other albums. Apples to oranges. That would complete. Come. No, complete it's not. apples to oranges. It's the same thing Absolutely. with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has Absolutely the same kind of talent, but he oranges. doesn't have those Absolutely apples yet. to oranges. He could be at the end of his career. Apples to oranges. Dude. All of that was in Kanye's. Pa- First of all, I don't even understand <laughs> no, why we're discussing this. No, but <laughs> it's the concept of coming in with talent, but not ha- not yet doing what your talent will allow you to do in the future. Right. Aaron Rodgers has the talent, but he hasn't done what he needs we're, to do to be put above them. Uh, that's 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 really really absurd because he, when you talk about not being surrounded with the talent, listen, R- he, he has carried his Rogers team. Rodgers doesn't even have he records that would put him above team. these other guys. Aaron Rodgers has the greatest career passer rating of any quarterback in history. That I will give you. And Jay Z <laughs> and Kanye West are two of the most overrated rappers of all time. But anyway, <laughs> you all right over there? Are all you right. kidding me? All right, all right. Yeah, hold on, hold on. This is but a football, anywho, this is a football, anyway, this is a football yeah. show. Let's move on. Let's get back to the let's game. Let's go to the game. Come let's on. Get back to the game oh, my God. He just In New York City, you just said that. Yes, I did. Listen, now let's oh move on Lord. to the game. Lordy, Lord, Lord. So, okay, so let's go to the game last night. Thank you. The Green Bay Packers. I'm doing it because I want to. Okay. The Green Bay Packers versus Seattle Seahawks. Two teams that probably should have better records than what they show. <laughs> What did you guys learn from this game in terms? We talked earlier about how teams can make postseason pushes, right? Well, Reed, I really don't agree with uh, that statement. I agree that the Packers should be better than they are right now. I Not think that the their Seahawks. defense, I think that their defense is really improved. 
Uh, they have two really good young corners and Kevin King and, and Jair Alexander. On the other side, though, the Seahawks, I think, are playing way better than they should be on paper. They have lost completely the Legion of Boom. No more Earl Thomas, no more Cam Chancellor, no more Richard Sherman, and the secondary is playing great. In years past, the Seahawks' offensive line has been terrible, and with a lot of the same guys, granted they got Dwayne Brown last year uh, at the trade deadline, the, the line is playing much better. They haven't been able to run the ball in years past. They're, they're able to run it now. I think that this team has really been coached up really well this year by Pete Carroll, and twice now they've played the, arguably the greatest team on paper in the league, the Rams, really cl- close. I think that the Seahawks are playing out of their mind and are way better than I thought they'd be coming into the season. Out of the, but they're 5-5. Five and five. Why are they five and five? I think that then? they're way better than they were coming into the season. On paper, they should yeah. not be five and five. In my oh, I get opinion. what you mean. I have the question too. Is Jimmy can answer this too? Is that Russell Wilson? Right. I remember a couple years ago he was looked at as like an elite QB in the NFL, and I think we could all agree that we're at a point in the NFL. If you have one of those elite guys, you have a chance to win a Super Bowl every year, right? So does I look at the Seahawks five and five? Even if they're overachieving, they're still not to me for sure Super Bowl contenders. Does that mean that? Uh, maybe the idea of an elite quarterbacks overrated in the NFL or that Russell Wilson is a little bit overrated in our minds. I don't think the idea of an elite quarterback is overrated. So Russell I th- Wilson. I, no, but I, th- but I think that the idea of paying an elite quarterback a lot of money is because if you look at these teams, you look over the past five to ten years, look at how many teams have won a Super Bowl with a quarterback mm-hmm. on a rookie contract. Uh, you had the Ravens in 2012. Then yep. they had to play Joe Flacco. That team falls apart. You had the Seahawks the next year. They have to pay Russell Wilson. This team falls apart. I think there's only now four even four Bra- players left from that team. To your team. point, even Brady, who won, didn't take those max contracts. Right, and that's a lot, large part of why they're still exactly. winning. Exactly. Because yeah, they still on. have some talent on that field where they can you know, invest in some other positions where they don't have the dilemma of, oh, do we pay Brady, do we pay Gronk? But, I mean, even you look at last year with the Eagles. You know, If they're having to pay Carson Wentz, maybe they don't have Michael Bennett or Brandon Graham or any of these other good players that they were able to get because they didn't have to pay their quarterback all that much money. So I think it's just one of those dilemmas where there's no good solution to it other than you have to make the decision of, okay, do I want an elite quarterback and then have to pay him down the line or do I want to sort of invest in the rest of the team and have sort of a revolving door of QBs? I don't blame the Seahawks or the Packers really for investing in either of those guys and I think Russell Wilson, I know you asked specifically about him, he's really good I think. I just think the Seahawks team they're a lot more average right now than they are good just because they have to invest that money in Russell Wilson, and they don't have the talent anymore really on defense. I don't think a lot of teams really fear their defense anymore like they used to, and I think the rest of the team's just okay. Honestly, I see the Seahawks team finishing at 8-8. Eight and eight. I just don't think there's enough right now. I don't think they're playing. 8-8 eight and eight can't get you into the postseason, though? I don't think not, so. Not, in not this, this NFC. year. Yeah. Not in this NFC. That's actually a really good point. I I hadn't thought about that yet, but it is true. If you look back, I mean, maybe someone in the back could look through and see how many guys on max contracts over the past 10 years have won. Absolutely. It's probably actually only a few. But it's it's certainly a dilemma because you can't you can't let an elite quarterback walk because then what do you have? You can you can't win no, with yeah, that yeah. one. I'm not either. saying yeah, but, like but at the same time, you're you're hundred percent right. It's these teams that are able to build around quarterbacks on rookie contracts like the Eagles just did, like the Rams are doing right now. There's exactly. no way that they could pay Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters and, and Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue if Jared Goff had is on his second contract. There's absolutely no way. And I think that that's the model that a team like the Jets are also trying to follow. Um, however... I don't necessarily agree with your with your take that the the Seahawks are are just an eight and eight team this year. I thought I thought that they would be near the bottom of the of the NFC West coming into the season, but just what I'm seeing, I think that Chris Carson looks great. I think that Rashad Penny 
the way that he's run last night, and I liked him a lot coming into the draft. He looked, re- he looked to me a little bit like like Alvin Kamara. Yeah, last like the week way he looked that he's, like that too. The, the way that he's running, the way that he's slipping out of, uh, he's he's creating so many broken tackles. That's how he looks to me. I think that that could be a ridiculous weapon heading into the final month of the season. Uh, Russell Wilson obviously is Russell Wilson. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, in my opinion. And the defense with the Griffins, with 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 KJ Wright back there, they have really good uh, line a linebacker core back there. I think that this team is just being coached up really well, and that they can make a run, especially with their home field. All so, right, be- before we move on, who who do we who do we trust more? Seattle, because I don't I don't two teams. Probably because one, I I like the Seahawks coaching way better than the Packers. I think Mike McCarthy is a bottom five coach in the NFL right now. I think with w- how little he's done with how much, I just don't. I I I would trust the Seahawks a little more. One one honestly because they have the experience mm-hmm. with a lot of those guys, and two, I just think I think there's a little bit more. I don't want to say there's more talent on that roster, but that talent that they have is better coached, where I think last night was a pretty even game, but I think the difference was coaching, especially when you look at four and a half minutes to go, the Packers have a fourth and two, and they punt. There's no no, there's no reason it. for that. Absolutely. There's no justification or for that. The, you can even argue, I know that there's a, there's a little bit of disagreement here, but you could argue about that with the challenge, too, where yeah. the Tyler Lockett's, uh, it was an incomplete pass, and they didn't challenge it. They could have. It led to the game-winning score. Um, I... I agree with you. Uh, the coaching is all the difference in the world to me, but at the same time, it's really hard for me to to give up on a, an Aaron Rodgers led team. Um, but there, there's no doubt, Mike McCarthy is really is is really being a detriment to to what Aaron Rodgers can do. I think. Yeah, and I think in that division too, where the Seahawks, oh, the Seahawks yeah. are the Seahawks are the second best team in that division yeah. right now, where they could sort of see the light of day. I don't know. I'm going to pull up their schedule now to see how many more games they have left against teams like Arizona. Okay, so they've got San Francisco and Arizona still with one game each on their schedule. Yeah, and so that those are two wins right there. Right, basically. and they've already played the Rams twice. Pl- played them close, granted, but they they've already played them twice. So the the rest of their schedule shouldn't be too bad. Um, yeah, and 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 again, the Packers play in a division with the Bears, who have with Khalil Mack probably the best defense in the NFL, and then the Vikings, who have one of the most talented rosters all around in the NFL. It's it's not going to be it's not going to be an easy path for them. But again, with Aaron Rodgers, it's tough for me to can't count them out. Yeah, I'm looking at two. Uh, well, I think we're gonna get to our fancy update soon. But uh, I'm I'm looking at now that we know the elite QB exists, right? How important they are to their team is obvious. I'm looking at that. What are the next pieces you need for a team? Like how important nowadays are running backs? Because you look at some teams like the Patriots, mm-hmm. who have done running back by committee, but other teams like LA, who have uh, an elite running back and does make an impact. Or the Giants are not an elite team, but Saquon's made a great, great has made great strides, pun intended, uh, in his short time in the league. Um, what do you guys think about that in terms of, of the next pieces you need when building yeah, a championship yeah, team? Yeah, sure. So, so I think that there's certain things on your team that are far more important than other things. So obviously the quarterback, obviously the offensive line is probably as a unit the second most important part of your team, and in my opinion, the secondary. Um, but when it comes to running backs, you look at all the best teams of the past 10, 15 years, the teams that are winning Super Bowls, the Patriots. They don't really ever have a bell cow running back. It's always a committee back there. You look at the Eagles last year. Don't have this year and last year have never had under Doug Peterson a bell cow running back. It's always been a committee. Even when they got Jay Ajayi last year, they still worked in Corey Clement. They still worked in Wendell Smallwood. They still are working in Darren Sproles. 
I think that as long as you have the line up front, you can make people look like stars back there, and you can keep people healthy by working that committee. I don't think that bell cow running backs like Todd Gurley or Saquon Barkley, and I'm sure we'll get into this when we talk about the Giants, or guys like that, are all that important in today's NFL anymore. I think that they cost a ton of money, and they take away from other parts of your team. That's not to say that they're not fun to watch or they're not good. Todd Gurley's an amazing player, but look at how he did under Jeff Fisher. I mean, he wasn't making that difference despite his immense talent, and I think that you need to build the other parts of your team. You need to keep those guys healthy in order to succeed. I don't think that a guy like Todd Gurley is as important as 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 the line in front of him. It seems like you're buying a Corvette when you live in a mobile home. The idea of, like, the Corvette's really nice and fun, but they might be That's kind of what the Giants did, in my opinion. Really? All right. Yeah, I mean, we can Maybe. talk about that later. Right. But we'll, we'll talk about that later. We surely will, but uh, you were talking about quarterbacks. So then I go, I agree with you on offensive line. I would go defensive line because I'm, I'm huge in that the battle in the trenches is absolutely oh, huge there's no in doubt. games. I mean, secondary is obviously very important as well. But if I was to pick like two areas, I go offensive line, defensive line. Then you go to the skill position guys, probably. It's tough. I don't know if I would go wide receiver or secondary <laughs> next, but w- one or the other. But I think the two most important things, offensive line, defensive line, because you could sort of overwhelm other teams mm-hmm. in the trenches with that, whether it's running the ball, whether it's sending pressure, uh, and then you kind of go from there. Linebackers, too, tremendously important. So mm-hmm. it's very tough to narrow it down it, to like two or three. It, it, oh, yeah, we're not going to solve it's how difficult. to make a However, team It's difficult. Podcast. However, I think that the positions that get the most attention, the wide receivers and the running back, are probably the least important spots on your team. I would even argue that tight end is more important. A guy that can block for you and create mismatches across the middle. Look at Zach Ertz last year. Granted, he's not as much of a blocker, but Zach Ertz, Gronk, Travis Kelsey, all these guys are so, are on some of the best teams in the NFL, and I don't really think that's a coincidence at all. Well, someone else who needs all of our attention right now is Evan Janikin. He's coming at us with his first hit on guys that we might want to be starting on a fantasy team that we haven't thought of. Evan? Who are some of the safest bets in fantasy this week? Here are the players our expert thinks you must start if you're looking to win your matchup. My first start for Week 11 is Philip Lindsay. He has been quietly a stud all season for the Broncos, averaging just over 13 points per game in PPR leagues, even with Royce Freeman backing him up. Look for him to continue his momentum against a tough Chargers defense, especially with them losing linebacker Denzel Perriman to a season-ending injury. Andrew Luck is a must-start this week for any fantasy owner, as he challenges the Tennessee Titans at Lucas Oil Field. The Colts quarterback has posted six straight weeks of 20-point performances, mostly due to solid offensive line play and an improved rushing attack. Start Luck and watch him rack up the fantasy points, as I have him as my top quarterback in Week 11. Last but not least, I have Amari Cooper starting in all formats. 18 targets have come his way in the first two games with Dallas, and he's already making a name for himself in Prescott's offensive attack. Atlanta has allowed the third most passing touchdowns in the NFL so far, so Cooper should have a nice day ahead of him on Sunday. And that is Evan with our fantasy mm-hmm. starters. Evan, I'm real quick. You mentioned Andrew Luck's name, and he's someone I've always loved ever since he came out of the league, but I think a lot of people forget him. Do you think look at him as just one of these fantasy QBs, or, or do you think that that really translates to effectiveness on the field? I mean, you look at the tight ends around him, that's pretty much been the biggest uh, impact Even for him on oil. offense. I mean, And that, yeah. that's that's why people should look at him for, for a fantasy start? Well, for fantasy start, and I think that uh, just the effectiveness of those tight ends, like the way that they integrate that into the offense, you saw them kill them. Three touchdowns with the tight ends last week. I think that Andrew Luck just has the ability to make those plays with the tight ends, and 
not only that, he. I think if they get one more receiver on that team, that could be pretty much like and one of the yeah. most dangerous the, offenses. The line is, for the first time in his career is playing well. Exactly, uh, and he hasn't been sacked since yeah. week five, which is unbelievable stat. It, and yeah, there's no doubt that he's he's become he's been one of the best players in the NFL this week. Though I, I think it's interesting that you picked him for this week, just because. The Titans' defense has looked so good. The I mean, Titans' defense has looked really good. Yeah, that, but he again, like I said, he is on a six-straight-week 20-point performance roll, and I just don't see that momentum dying. He's been great against AFC South opponents in the past, and I just really don't see his momentum going down at any time. What happens so, when so. the unstoppable force meets the immovable object? Hmm. We'll see. <laughs> now <laughs> we get to the philosophical <laughs> segment of NFL I Friday. haven't taken a philosophy class in a while, so we'll, well stay away from Regardless, that. we know we need to get going. We need to get yeah. talking about Big Blue and the Giants. Evan, appreciate it. I yeah. took down all my notes right over here, so we'll get back to you soon to know who we shouldn't be starting. But right now, let's head over and talk about the New York Giants. <laughs> And before we get started talking about Big Blue, let's listen to David Spampanato, who has our weekly Giants report. Breaking their five-game losing streak was the first step in getting 2018 turned around for the Giants. While I don't expect them to go on the eight-game run Odell Beckham is shooting for, there's reason to believe Big Blue can string together a couple wins. That all starts with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home on Sunday. Last week's win over the 49ers gave us a glimpse of what the Eli Manning-Odell Beckham connection can be if Manning is given time. The 49ers feature one of the best defensive lines in the league, and the Giants managed to hold them to just one sack. Pat Shermer's offense was finally executed the way he drew it up. He encouraged his team to block out the noise and keep fighting for these last seven games. Quarterbacks are completing 74% of their passes against the Bucks. I've said every week that Beckham, Sterling Shepard, and Evan Ingram are going to be a lot to handle. Add Corey Coleman and Saquon Barkley to the mix, and it gets even tougher. If the offensive line gives Manning as much time as they did last week, anticipate another big game in the air for the Giants. Jason Pierre-Paul makes his first appearance against the Giants since being traded back in March. JPP spent eight seasons in blue, and he's ready to go for Sunday. It's been checked out since I left there. And I'm pretty sure they know I'm bringing the house now. So. The Buccaneers are led by a quarterback familiar to New Jersey, Ryan Fitzpatrick. The 35-year-old vet spent two seasons with the Jets, going 8-7 and seven at MetLife, with 28 touchdowns and 13 picks. Fitzmagic has been inconsistent this season, showing signs of greatness and signs of disaster. The Giants' weapons will be too much for the bad Buccaneers' defense, and Fitzpatrick won't be dynamic enough to keep up. I'm going with a barn burner this week. Give me Giants 38, Bucks 31. Covering Big Blue, I'm David Spampanato. WFUV Sports. Great work from David as usual, guys. The Giants are uh, not exactly where a lot of us expected in the beginning of the season, although at this point, this is kind of like we get it now. Two years in a row, they've disappointed us. Uh, they finally got their second win, albeit against a San Francisco team that doesn't have Jimmy Garoppolo. How much do you guys, or, or what do you take away from this win in terms of, of what they're going to do for the rest of the year? Or do you look at it more as a reflection of where this franchise is going in the future? Well, I listen, they, 
they beat a really depleted 49ers team. I, I think that I, I picked them to win. I think that the I figured that the talent overall would just win out. And you, you have to consider the fact that the 49ers, with their third-string quarterback, with their second-string running back, were still able to you know really take them to the end and, and really had a lot of opportunities to win that game. Um, I thought it was really impressive on the defensive side how Landon Collins later in the game was really able to take away George Kittle because he was destroying them in the first half, and they were going to lose that game if, if they couldn't take away George Kittle. But listen, I, in the end, Eli was able to find Odell, and, and the offense looked okay, especially against a, a, a really good 49ers defensive front. Um, but I, I there wasn't anything about the game that made me say, oh, like the Giants were able to turn around now. But I also make the point, Jimmy, the fact that the Giants, Eli Manning had to throw three touchdowns for them still to barely beat the 49ers, is, is that really a good sign? Well, I don't know if it's like a bad sign necessarily. I mean, my takeaway from this game, more so than anything, is that the Giants are not going to have the number one pick. I think that's the main thing yeah. that you get out of this game because, you mm -hmm. know, they lose and they're still at one win and then maybe the Raiders get a couple more wins. So anyway, that's not going to happen. I mean, I don't think it's a bad sign. I mean, the San Francisco defense, I think they kind of came out and said, all right, we're going to stop Saquon. Well, that's fine, but Eli had some open throws and, and he was able to make them. I, I know he had two to Odell and he had one to Sterling Shepard. So, you know, he did that. I mean, last two minutes, he was great. I mean, I will give that to him. We've been killing Eli all year, and, and deservedly so. But, you know, he was good. He was good. And it, granted, it's not a good San Francisco defense, but, you know, you got to give him the credit where the credit is due. I think the Giants' D played okay. I think they played better in the second half. I Definitely. think you made a great point against, about them taking away George Kittle because after that, you really only got Marquise Goodwin on that offense at a skill position in the receiving game to really – take the top off of you if you will so once they took away George Kittle I think that severely limited Mullins's options because Kittle was sort of his security blanket but I mean I I'm with you Devin I don't look at this and say oh this is some crowning achievement for the Giants and they're going to win out and all this stuff that Odell was talking about where they were going to win every game obviously it's not going to happen I mean they it's just it's not there for them right now so I don't I didn't take away, frankly I didn't take away a ton from this game really at all other than the fact that the Giants won and the, they might be picking third or fourth now instead of first or second. I looked at this, and I, my major takeaway was how the Giants were able to win. The, the actual game doesn't mean much to me. San Francisco doesn't mean much to me. And quite frankly, this year's Giants team I don't think should mean much to Giants fans as, as it's not really going to ever be remembered, well, at least hopefully because they're going to have better seasons to come. But they've been struggling all year. And I will admit, I, I, I'm a big Saquon Barkley guy. I'm, I think they should have taken him. But this was definitely a game where those people who said that they should have taken a QB instead of a running back, really, really, their argument was backed up. Because you look at it, Saquon Barkley had 20 carries for 67 yards, zero TDs. Um, when in other games, he's rushed for over 100 yards, multiple TDs even. And in this game, Eli Manning's the one who had three touchdown passes, and they end up winning the game. It goes to the earlier point in terms of how the running backs, to many people, could be overrated, where you need the QB to actually deliver. Uh, so yeah. I, I, I do think that this really does say, ironically, because Eli Manning's performance was so good, it really hammers home the point that you need to get a different QB who can do this more consistently. Well, he, here's the issue with that. I think that part of the reason why well, Eli Manning is a Hall of Fame quarterback. Okay? Yeah, Eli Manning is one of the point. most. He's one of the most clutch quarterbacks I've ever seen. There's no doubt that he has the ability. Um, granted, it's it's less now because he's gotten older. He's not really able to move back there, and the line hurts him. 
But if you were able to draft a rookie quarterback and put him behind that line, I think that this team would be way worse. You'd still have you'd still have Orleans Darkwa or or Paul Perkins or Wayne Gallman back there. We're talking there. Cleveland Dude, zero winless. We're, we're talking. We're, I think I really I really think that I think that we're talking potentially a winless team. Um, so does, I, does, does, does it go to my point then that Saquon Barkley, for as great of a running back as he is, they, I the, I the personally personally I wouldn't have taken him. That's not a knock on Saquon. I think talent wise, he's probably the best running back in the NFL. I I really believe that most talented but, player in that draft, probably. But yeah. oh, 100%. there's no doubt. There's no yeah. doubt about that. But listen, uh, we discussed before how how I I personally don't really think uh, running star running backs are all that important. Obviously, quarterbacks are extremely important, but this this team as a whole is not going to be able to succeed until you fix that offensive line. If you if you had taken a Josh Rosen or I know Baker wasn't there or a Sam Darnold and put them behind this offensive line, even with Odell Beckham on there. Now, and keep in mind, if you take one of these quarterbacks, you don't have Saquon Barkley, so you don't have that extra talent on the offense. It would be even worse. It would it would be terrible. That that being said, I think that they should have gone and beefed up that line more. I think that that would have helped more in the long run and maybe even draft a quarterback next year because if you have that line, then maybe they can succeed. But I I don't think that this game shows that like getting a quarterback would have been the way to go. So Devin, would you have gone offensive line then at number two? That's that's the drift yeah, I'm getting. At, at, at number, number two, two. <laughs> no, at number two I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. I, what I would have tried to do was I mean look at what the Colts got okay. um, by just trading back three spots. Look at look at all those picks that they got. If I were the Giants, I would have tried to trade back a few spots. That maybe even tried to grab Quentin Nelson in front of in front of the the Colts. Or, or look at how great Mike McGlinchey has been on that other team. You're telling me if you don't plug in Mike McGlinchey at left tackle that this team wouldn't be better? Mike McGlinchey, they they drafted Will Hernandez later on. All of a sudden, this team's looking a lot better, in my opinion. And then you also have running backs like we discussed last week on here. Philip Lindsay went undrafted. Royce Freeman went in the third round. Darius Geis was in the second round. I, I think that you could have made this team a lot better, and, and they kind of they kind of hindered that by taking Saquon so high, in my opinion. So, right, so, so I actually I would have taken Saquon at two. Um, this is sort of like the topic around the Thanksgiving table that gets like touchy with everybody mm-hmm. now because like I feel like we fight <laughs> what kind about of sensitive it? family has that to no, know. Don't don't mention this, this, this is this every day week and age. Now no, it's Friday. it's this it's this table I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, oh, I'm gonna say now. today's day and age the touchy subject is let's not talk about Saquon Barkley being drafted. Anything else is on. Oh but, no, I know, but I'm saying like we I feel Grandpa like Grandpa gets really mad about that. I feel like we fight about this like <laughs> every week where we sit there and say, Oh, should they should they should they have, should they not have I think if you're at number two you take the most talented player. Period. And I'm I, with you on that. And if I think that was there, Saquon Barkley. If you stay and then there, if you don't, you trade down, and then you, you start filling some needs. But I just don't think if you, I think if you're a two, you got to draft the best guy available. And Saquon Barkley, if he doesn't get hurt, my God, he's going to be wearing a gold jacket because the way he's looking, he has played now, what is it, 10 games in the NFL? Mm-hmm. Nine of them, 100 or more total yards. I, I agree with that. I agree. And with the that. offensive Listen, line isn't that this good. Is, no. Me, say, me saying that I wouldn't have taken Saquon is not a knock on Saquon because I think that he's – he, first of all, no, he's definitely of the NFL. right. Right, but he's also he's got the attitude. I mean, if you oh, could, yeah. if you could think up like the ideal star you could have on your team, it's Saquon Barkley. The guy works hard. He says all the right things. He does all the right things. There's no doubt about that. I'm just saying though, and and Dave Gettleman said this prior to the draft. He wants a gold jacket guy. You know what I want? A Super Bowl trophy. And I don't <laughs> think I don't think Saquon Barkley gets you that, to be honest. Well, the Giants and 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 argue. This could be open another argument. They don't really. They've never really proven to be able to put together a Super Bowl winning roster. Like even the, the years they won, they they were decent or average regular well, season teams that look, caught look fire. At, in the hold on. Look look at what 
what they did, the, te- the, the teams that they won, though. They were great on the offensive line, and they were great on the defensive line. Yeah. And that's how you win Super Bowls. No, but I know. But what I'm saying is if you're the Giants, you don't, it's not like another franchise like the Patriots or what would be another franchise that's like historically good at, at creating for, for Steelers, yeah, that win Super Bowls. The Giants have, I, I, again, this is more of a nuanced point. I'm not, saying, I'm not trying to take anything away from the Giants, but I'm just saying I can understand why, because I think most people would think like this, is like, hey, we do need a QB, but this guy's the most talented guy on the roster. Talent is the most important and hardest uh, commodity to come by in the NFL. Let's get some talent. What's the word? He's on a rookie contract. And, we're and, not going to be paying him to big money. And I think to deconstruct that, too, this is a multiple-year rebuild for the Giants. This oh, is not something that's going in one year. What they're building towards, I think, I think they're going to take a run at Derek Carr in the offseason. It's a gut feeling that I have. That I would think be a good pickup. They'd be well-served, I think, to do that. I per, I, I don't I, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. I don't think it's a terrible idea at all. Um, the problem that I have with that is, though, Jerry Reese really put this team in a in a bad position by tying up so they have no cap space by tying up so much money in that defense. I think that they're going to cut Olivier Vernon in the offseason, but the 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 amount of money that they put into that defense, it's not really living up to to what they wanted in my opinion. And then if you add Derek Carr who has one of the most expensive contracts in the league, I think it makes it really difficult to put the other pieces that you need on that team. That's just my opinion. Although I would say then, I think the defense is a lot better than we realize, but it's so hard, especially in today's day and age in NFL football, it's so hard to be a good defense when you have such a bad offense, turning over the ball so quickly, going on so many short, short drives. I mean, today's day and age, there's no longer a game where you're really going to stop a team to 10 points usually. Like No matter who they are, no matter how bad they are, the points are going up. I agree with that, but I would say this, though. like People are talking about them drafting a quarterback next year. I don't think there's anybody think so in the either. top five that's going to be worth taking because the top quarterback's there. probably going to be Will Greer out of West Virginia. I don't think he's a top five player. So let's say, okay, they trade for Carr. Let's say they draft Ed Oliver out of Houston because he's in the news and they, he's really good. So let's say they draft him. Then Now all of a sudden you've got a pass rush a little bit. So I think it's a multiple-phase plan for the Giants where they have some – fun pieces to work with now that aren't necessarily good, and yeah. I think that's something that they need to build towards in the future where now they, they work on less less of the glamour positions, the oh. offensive line, the defensive line, yes. the linebackers, all of which have been huge weaknesses for this team this year. And they have, like you said, Devin, they've spent the money. It's almost like you know when we talk about the Mets and everybody's like, oh, they're cheap, but no, their payroll is $150 million. They just don't ever put it in the right place. Well, it's all, that is a little bit also because it's $150 million to going guys like David Wright and, and Yoannis Cespedes who, who are injured and aren't even really being paid. But that's a whole different different discussion. Well, well but, discussion I want to get into real well, quick before we get going yeah, is sure, Tamp- sure. Tampa, New York. Tampa, New York, are we into this game? Are, is <laughs> it going to be good? This and, game? And, and if no. you're forced at gunpoint to watch this game, yeah. what would you tell that person at gunpoint to take away from it? Well, I think that you got to look at what what is the Giants' defense able to do against the Tampa Bay offense. They have a, On Tampa Bay, they have a ton of weapons, and Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, I think, is going to be a star very soon. He's I love him coming out of the draft. He, he, he was fantastic. I, I wanted him go, coming out of the draft. I think he's going to be maybe someday the best tight end in the NFL. Um, you, they have Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson. They have, they have a nice offensive line. I, I think that that offense is really, really talented and has the ability to put up points. Let's see how the Giants' defense responds. Whatever the Giants' offense does, it's going to be tough to take away for, to take away from this game because on the other side of the ball, the Tampa Bay defense is horrendous. So I expect the Giants to put up close to 30 points. 30 points? I mean, yeah. the G-men. Jimmy? Uh, I think if I was forced to watch this game at gunpoint, I wouldn't tell 
the person there to take anything away from it. But I will say I, these are two teams in kind of similar situations, yes. really, when you think about it. They they have issues at quarterback. They've got talent at skill positions, but both bad defenses, both kind of bad offensive lines. And Tampa Bay, at least, I think they might take a look at a new head coach next year because Dirk Cutter just hasn't gotten it done yeah. in the three years he's been there. So I don't know who's going to win this game. I'll give my pick later. Honestly, it's a toss-up. I could see this one going either way, either team which wins. Even a tie really wouldn't be surprised, honestly, at this point. <laughs> well, Cutter might not be getting things done, but one person who has been getting things done is our very own Evan Janikin, and that is with our fantasy update. We're going to get going to him now, but this time to find out who we should be sitting in this week's football. Predicting this week's fantasy duds is just as important as picking this week's fantasy studs. Here's who our expert thinks you should sit this week. My biggest bust this week is Bears quarterback Mitchell Trubisky, who has been on a tear as of late, but now faces a stingy Minnesota secondary, who has only allowed 12 passing touchdowns in all of 2018. The sophomore has totaled over 300 yards in three of his last outings, but expect him to struggle on Sunday night against one of the league's top defenses. Next for Sidhams, I've got Colts running back Marlon Mack, who struggled last week against the Jacksonville front, who has been mediocre at best this season. He comes up against a hot Tennessee rush defense who has only allowed one rushing touchdown on the road. Mack is known for his explosive playmaking ability, and with the Titans having only allowed one rush of over 20 yards this campaign, I've got Mack riding the pine this week. Finally, I have Demarius Thomas, who is playing in just his second game with the Texans. Houston had a bye this past week, which may have given him time to get acclimated to Bill O'Brien's offense. However, for the time being, keep him stashed as a low-end wide receiver three, with DeAndre Hopkins getting most of his shares in the receiving game. Appreciate it, Evan. We got to get going uh, to talk about the other New York NFL team. I guess there's three New York NFL teams, but you know, who wants? The Bills to talk don't about, count. Who wants to talk about the Bills? No one wants to talk about the Bills. What we do want to talk about is the Jets. But before we do that, our very own Vinny DeBellis, who covers the Jets, of course, just like David covers the Giants, is going to give us his weekly Jets report. Week 10 was rock bottom for Gang Green. Playing without Sam Darnold for the first time all season, the team was all out of sorts. Josh McCown was horrific, and the Jets' defense was sleepwalking, making Matt Barkley look like a Hall of Famer. Giving up 41 points to a Bills team that has been one of the worst offensively in the league thus far was a new low for a Jets team that was already in a tailspin. Twitter was calling for head coach Todd Bowles to be fired ASAP. And the only positive thing Bowles had to say about the Jets' performance post-game was that they only gave up one penalty. Bowles still has a job for now, and hopefully Sam Darnold is healthy and back under center for the Jets when they face off with New England at home on Thanksgiving weekend. The bye week couldn't have come at a better time for a team that needs to figure things out quickly if Bowles wants to keep his job. With the playoffs out of reach, coming off of one of the flattest performances of the Bowles era, Bowles' seat is hotter than ever. Covering the... For WFUV Sports, I'm Vinny DeBellis. Awesome. Thank you, Vinny, for that. Now let's get into it, guys. The J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 are arguably the more promising of the two NFL franchises here in New York City, which is something we don't usually say. I looked at their game versus Buffalo, and uh, uh, 
I, I, I both laughed and cried just because I feel like it was the most Jets game ever. Although, I will say, this is the best point. Again, kind of how people would say that Saquon Barkley isn't as valuable to the Jets, uh, to the Giants, as we would think. How I think that game might have shown that. I think this game really did show how important uh, the quarterback position is for the uh, the Jets because Josh McCown came in and, uh, well, they, they didn't do much. You know what I'm trying to say? Well, and so, so sure. Sam, and Sam Darnold may not be the elite QB yet, or, or but I think this loss could definitely prove that he is the QB of the future for this team. Well, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that this this loss really had had anything to say about. So people people were, I think, erroneously attributing the Jets' struggles to Sam Darnold. I didn't think that was the case at all, and I think that this game proved proved that. If well, that's anything. what I was saying. Yeah, right. Like, but, he but definitely I don't think is... that. But but I think that the people in the first place that were putting all the Jets' struggles on Sam Darnold were were wrong to begin with. I just think that this this team is set up well for the future. I think that they, I mean, they have the most cap space going into next season, and I think that their their defense is very good. I, I think that the secondary is very I, good. I, Jamal Adams, one of my favorite. Jamal players Adams in the NFL. is Jamal Adams loves him coming out of LSU, and in, I love him in the NFL. In his second year, he's already becoming a leader, and that defense last week, it looks like nobody was playing hard except for Jamal Adams. I mean, there was a ton of broken tackles. There, uh, LaShawn McCoy, who is past his prime, was running over everybody except for Jamal Adams. The guy, the guy has so much heart, plays with so much, even down 30 points. I mean, there's no doubt that he that he's a stud that they need to build on. But listen, the offense has the, the offense is on, on paper is probably the least talented offense in the NFL and they have to they have to correct that going into next season. Yeah, I, I agree with you Devin. Last week was not a referendum on Sam Darnold or Josh McCown or anything. Sam Darnold's the guy whether they win that game. No, but last I thought this I thought this loss actually in a weird way proved how important he I don't is think you team. needed this loss to prove that though. I I, I right. just I think, I think yeah. so. I was kind of wishy-washy on him. Yeah, I'm but, telling you <laughs> someone who was who wasn't totally sold on, sold on him. I looked at this game and I'm like, "You know what? He may have more of an impact than I realized." Yeah, but but anyway, this is a Jets team that did not come ready to play last week no. whatsoever. Okay, two plays into the game, you've got a quarterback who hasn't played in two years. Two Ooh. years. Ooh. Two years, Matt Barkley. He hasn't played in a while. He was on the street. And when and he did, he was him. bad. Yeah, and when he did, yeah, <laughs> he was really bad. But hasn't played in two years. He throws a deep bomb down the field. Next play, they hand it off to LaShawn McCoy. He goes untouched, what is it, 25 yards, I yep. guess, something like that, for a touchdown. It's a 7 nothing, and half the people aren't even in their seats yet. It was just, it was so pathetic because they so clearly were not ready to play. The fake punt, I mean, who couldn't see that coming? I'm sitting on my on my bed, and I'm looking at this yeah. saying, this is a fake punt because they're at midfield, and it's a short-yarded situation. That's a situation where they fake it, and they have an ex-quarterback on the field, and that's what they do. It was just, it was so frustrating. I can tell. Me. Well, yeah, yeah. obviously. Oh. But <laughs> it was so frustrating more to me that, this coaching staff, Todd Bowles is getting fired at the end of the needs season, to. I think. Absolutely. That is the discussion I want to get into. I'm so glad you did that, Jimmy. Yeah, so Todd I— Todd Bowles, I, what are we doing with this man? He's got to go. Well, listen, Jimmy hit it right on the head. This team did not come ready to play, and that is only an indictment on the head coach. That is an indictment is that on Todd. Absolutely. I, 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 absolutely. I'm not saying you're wrong, but this is, the, this is the idea I've always had. This isn't college football. These guys are all grown men getting paid millions of dollars. Right. I, I think Todd Bowles has a role in that, but I also no. don't love saying that this team didn't come no, play because of the head coach. Like, I'm because, paying you millions because of dollars. the best head coaches in the league get their guys motivated and get their guys to play well. Bill Belichick. But they I also would never think, show I, up I, like that. I also that. think that's kind of that's no, I don't like the excuse. You don't need if you're a pro, you don't need to be motivated to play. You're a professional football player. Think about the that's fine. That's fine to think in an ideal scenario, but th- this is not. Th- these are players with egos, some of them, 
Uh, granted, the best players don't, don't need motivation. Does Tom Brady need to be motivated to play every week? I don't no, think it's an ideal situation. No, obviously not, but there is absolutely, absolutely not being ready to play is an indictment on your head coach. I'm There's not saying no he doesn't have a role it. in it. I'm saying you issue. can't throw it it's all on Todd Bowles. This, is largely, this loss is largely on Todd Bowles. There's I agree. no doubt in my mind. I agree. You, and, you shouldn't lose by 31 to the Buffalo Bills, who are starting their third or fourth string quarterback. I honestly yeah. don't know at this point which one it is, but you shouldn't do that. <laughs> Nobody's losing to the Bills like this. It's 2018, man. This isn't the 90s. Like, come I on. I mean, this is ridiculous. The, the Bills really haven't, even in the 90s, they didn't win the Super Bowl. Well, they went to four straight. but They did. They did. But um, but didn't win it. But what I'm talking about is just Todd Bulls, there, there is no fire there. The guy is, the guy is a dead man on the sidelines. They're, they're in, in, in press conferences. He puts you to sleep. There is nothing, there is nothing energizing about this man as a head coach. Look at the best head coaches around the league, and I understand Bill Belichick is is kind of ball similar. of fire. Bill Belichick is kind of similar to that, but even on the sidelines, you can see him getting in guys' ears, getting in guys' faces, getting his players ready. And Todd Bowles does not get these guys ready to play. Jamal Adams twice this season against the Browns when Baker Mayfield came in, and this week against against Matt Barkley has said that they didn't prepare for the quarterback that was playing. That's a big that deal. Is, that is a, an enormous deal, and that is on Todd Bowles, and it's unforgivable. The guy needs to go, and they need to bring somebody in here that is going to get these guys ready to play, and preferably an offensive-minded head coach who can help Sam Darnold grow and turn this team into a contender. Two quick questions then. Guys, does this mean, this might be a, a little bit of a surprise, does, does this mean the Jets should have kept Rex Ryan as a head coach? I, I, oh, I, I, you're talking about I fire. Loved you're talking Rex Ryan. About, I thought he was a great I, coach. I liked him as a coach too. Then second off, it goes into the idea, I talked about this with Devin real quick before we started the show. It's the idea of, is it dumb nowadays to even hire a defensive guy as your head coach? No. I no, don't think it's dumb. It's not dumb because... I'm well, I, Okay, if you're playing odds, if you're going to Vegas and you're you putting down your, your life roster, savings it's, but on it's, it's it, not most that likely, easy. It's not that easy. It's, it's not, not that a simple, coin yeah. flip. you got to look at your roster, I think. For the Jets, or or look at look at the look at the model the Rams followed. Granted, Sean McVay is is well, that's more is to a my unicorn. Point. He he he's a phenomenal he's a phenomenal mi- offensive mind, and he was able to put together a phenomenal team. But Jared Goff, Doug, uh, Carson Wentz with Doug Peterson, you have these young quarterbacks, and the teams bring in offensive minded head coaches to try and to try and build them and and grow and and grow them and make that. Turn them into the guys that they were meant to be when when they were drafted by their teams. I think that the Jets have to do that. And I talked about this last week. I the guy that I'm looking at, especially. Well, I, feel, I feel like that's kind of like my point. Then they should bring an offense. No, 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 guy. no, 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 no. My my point is, you have to look at how you've constructed your team, right? But the, almost every team needs a good quarterback, and it's an offensively no, because, driven league. Because because you, I'm I'm talking about teams with young quarterbacks that are trying to that are trying to build a new culture around. But how many guys. teams have won Super Bowls when they weren't offensively driven with a great quarterback? I mean, look at look look at how the Falcons built their built their, you know, this iteration of their team. Matt Ryan wasn't a rookie guy. He he was a guy that a veteran. I'm, I'm talking about just the idea of, of prioritizing who, offense because Matt Ryan still was the league MVP. And they sure, but who was their head numbers. coach? Dan Quinn. Yeah, they needed they needed a culture change. But they on never that won a defense. Super Bowl for a reason. Oh come on, they were one of the best teams well, in the league my, that year no, and should have won but that l- Super Bowl. Listen to my question. My <laughs> question was the guys who have won Super Bowls. How many but of them have not, done it without you, offensively? But, it, elite but my QBs? point is, my point is, if you are calling Dan Quinn's hire as a head coach a failure, then I don't I don't even know where to start. I'm with not saying it's a failure. Because, I'm, it probably wasn't the great, greatest move then. It so, absolutely yeah. was the greatest move. It got them it got them to the Super Bowl and they were up 28 to three. They should have won that game, but they didn't. So here's my thing with that. You were talking about Dan Quinn. Who is the offensive coordinator on that team? 
Kyle Shanahan. Bingo. So he works with the offense. Matt Ryan wins an exactly. MVP that year, and, and they're the best offense in the league. I mean, you look at Sean McVay with the Rams. You know, yeah. he had Jeff Jared Goff had Jeff Fisher his first year look right. like a bust, and right. then Sean McVay comes in, and they. It's about where you need the culture change. Right. Exactly. Like, so if you guys have a team, are you hiring a head coach with an offense, an offensive background, defensive background? You got to look at the roster. You got You got to look at the roster, and you got to look at the rest of the staff. That's the thing too. Well, how many teams in the league right now are driven by their defenses then? Well, I see. I don't know, but I think just very a lot ta- less than offense. So if we're talking about the Jets, right? Okay, they bring in Jeremy Bates. Everybody thinks Jeremy Bates is going to be this great offensive yeah. coordinator, right? What do they do? They run the same stupid looking screenplay like five times a game, and every defense is, plans for that, and they see Spot it on. coming, and it never works. So Jeremy Bates hasn't been good. So you thought he was going to be good. You need to have good offensive assistance if you're going to have a defensive head coach. Then if you're going to have an offensive head coach, you got to have good defensive assistance. You know, Sean McVay has Wade Phillips. In LA, and he's one of the brightest minds in the yep. history of the game. So I think, I, I think it's all about you can get whichever coach you want, but you better he better have good assistance in the area that he's weak. You know what yes, I'm saying? Yes, exactly. Where so exactly. you turn up, you you got a great defensive coordinator, and that, you yeah. say like, okay, this is your defense. Where if you're a de- defensive guy like Dan Quinn was, he turned the entire offense over to Kyle Shanahan. It's I, I think it's the same thing that the Jets need to do. I would hire an offensive-minded guy. Mm-hmm. I would I would take a big, strong look at Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma and try to get him over to the Jets. But I, I think an offensive-minded guy, whether that's a really great offensive coordinator or head coach, yeah. I think that would serve, no, serve I, Sam Darnold really well. I, 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 I agree 100%. And another guy I look at just real quick is probably Matt LaFleur. On yeah, Tennessee. I like him too I think, a lot. I think that yep. the way that he's morphed that offense has looked phenomenal. So we're nearing the end of our show, and it is time for us to go once again to Evan to find out what players we've been sleeping on this week in NFL fantasy football. Nailing sleeper picks is a surefire way to get your team a victory. Here are some players that fantasy owners are currently overlooking. All right, guys, like it or not, I'm starting Eli Manning this week as the low-end quarterback one, with Tampa Bay having allowed seven of nine quarterbacks that throw for multiple touchdowns against them. While he has been particularly Eli at times this season, expect him to have a stellar outing, coming off three touchdowns against the 49ers and now facing a soft defense at home. Vance McDonald ranks as a solid tight end option this week, as the Jaguars' secondary has struggled covering his position. Last week, Colts' tight ends posted 133 yards and three touchdowns against Jacksonville. McDonald is available in almost 50% of standard ESPN leagues, which makes him a viable option to start this week. If you're looking for a solid receiver to put in your flex position, try Bears' Anthony Miller this week. Though I have Mitchell Trubisky as one of my busts, he'll be looking to dump the ball off frequently against Minnesota's quick defense, which will ensure Miller plenty of touches as he works out of the slot. It's a risky play, but I like Miller's upside heading into Week 11. All righty, guys. It is that time of the show, NFL Pick'em, where we all going to go through all of the week's games, make, give our predictions, see what we think, and then uh, once the weekend's all done, I guess Monday night's all done, we'll see who is right. So I'm going to get going to Devin first. We're going to work around clockwise like that. Devin, first game is Dallas versus Atlanta. I'm going to go the Falcons. I think that they're at home. I, I, I love the way the Falcons play at home, and Dallas is a little shaky. I, I really don't like Jason Garrett's play calling. Yeah, I've got the Falcons at home, though Calvin Ridley's been pretty slow recently. I think he's going to pick it back up and have a couple t- scores against them. Dallas got a reprieve after winning Philly from the whole firing Jason Garrett talk. That's going to come back in full force after this game. Falcons by a lot. Give me the one-sided, offensive-minded Atlanta Falcons. All right, going over to the Cincinnati versus Baltimore game. Devin, who do you got? 
I think Cincinnati. I think that they're a better team, and it's a must-win for them after a couple of tough losses. Yeah, I've got Cincinnati, too. I think their defense is looking pretty good, or was looking pretty good before those losses. So, yeah, I got Bengals. I'm going to take a mild upset here. I like Baltimore, actually, at home. This game's a little bit of a toss-up, but it's a big game for both sides. I think Baltimore gets the win. I'm with Jimmy Toss-up. I always like to go with the home team when it's a toss-up like this. Baltimore versus is going to beat Cincinnati, in my opinion. All right, the Carolina Panthers versus the Detroit Lions. Battle of the Cats. Listen, Matt Patricia's looked in over his head. I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with the Panthers. Yeah, Matt Patricia coming in with shorts over the weekend on the cold <laughs> practice. <laughs> I got Panthers. <laughs> you know what? I'll go with the Lions. I think this could be a letdown week for the Panthers. Yes, they've had ten days off, but it was a big loss to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Could be a letdown for them. I'll go with Detroit. Cam Newton, one of my favorite QBs in the league, and I still think he's an elite. Go, give me the Carolina Panthers. Tennessee versus Indianapolis. I, I love the way Indianapolis has looked. I think Frank Reich's a good head coach. Ballard's looked fantastic as GM, but I think Tennessee's a better team, and they're going to take it. Uh, I got Colts. I mean, no question for me. I'm going to go with Tennessee in this one. I think uh, Marcus Mariota's turned a little bit of a corner after last week. I think he's going to play well. Um, I'm going to go with a team that is in Tennessee. I'm going to go with Andrew Luck and the Indianapolis Colts. All right, guys. The game we talked about earlier, New York Giants versus Tampa Bay. Time to reveal who you guys think is going to win, Devin. I think Tampa Bay. I, I think that they have too much firepower on offense. I got the Eli Manning show. I got the Giants at home. Let me take Tampa Bay. They looked okay last week. Put up a lot of yards and three points. I don't have. I have a hard time thinking that'll happen again. Give me Tampa Bay too, but it's going to be close, and the Giants will disappoint us again. Houston versus Washington. I am picking a lot of road teams, but again, I think Houston is a better team all around, more talented, and I think that they're going to beat the Redskins. No, I got the Texans. I think Deshaun Watson's looking great as of late. They're coming off a bye week. Give me Texans. Washington's better than you think, but I like Texans. This would be seven in a row if they win this week. I yeah. think that this time of year, the good teams are really going to start making a push towards being playoff contenders. Houston's going to be one of those teams. Give me Houston. Pittsburgh versus Jacksonville. I don't know what to think about this game, but Devin, I want to hear what you think. Yeah, I mean, I want to pick Jacksonville. I, 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 It's always tough for me to pick Pittsburgh because I feel like they have a culture issue, but Jacksonville's look terrible, and Steelers have way more talent. Yeah, the Blake Bortles era looks like it's ending in Jacksonville. I got the Steelers all the way. There's one game every year that the Steelers lose that's wildly disappointing where you go, oh my God, how did they lose that game? I think this is it. I'm going to take the Jaguars. I'm with Jimmy too. I think this is an upset. Don't really have a really good reason why, but I think Jacksonville's going to win this game. Uh, Oakland versus Arizona. We're heading out west. What's going to happen, Devin? Well, this is the game of the week, and I'm going to pick the Cardinals. Yeah, I got, <laughs> I got Cardinals too. Uh, Nick Bosable, three, four, I'm not really sure. Uh, give me the Raiders. I'm going to go with the Cardinals with Chase Edmonds going for about four touchdowns. We're going to give me Denver versus the the Rams. What's what's happening Chargers, over in that Chargers. game? Chargers. My bad. I, no saw the <laughs> I still think San Diego should be the team to have the Chargers, I, I guess. I agree, but uh, listen, I mean, the Chargers are a Super Bowl contender, and I think that they're going to win this game pretty handily. Oh, yeah, Rivers is looking fantastic. I've got them trampling the Broncos completely. San Diego, L.A., whatever, they win. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the team that should be in San Diego as well. I think Phillip Rivers is one of the most underrated QBs in NFL history. Uh, Philadelphia versus New Orleans. Listen, New Orleans. The, the, the Eagles are starting to get in must-win territory, but the Saints have looked unstoppable in every facet. And at home, got to go Saints. I'm picking the Eagles in this one. I think that they're going to pull off the upset on the road. The Eagles secondary is too banged up right now. I don't think they're going to stop the Saints. New Orleans. To me, I think it's going to be the game of the week, and I'm going to go with Philly with the upset. Minnesota versus Chicago. 
Uh, listen, we're, I think Minnesota is more talented all around. I'm, I'm going to go Minnesota in a, in a big win on the road. Yeah, I'm going Minnesota. I think they get to Trubisky a lot, put a lot of pressure on him. I'd like to see how he fares, but I got the Vikings. This game is the reason why the Vikings signed Kirk Cousins. I yeah. think he's going to step up. Minnesota wins. I think this is also a year where very few teams step forward away from the pack. I think Minnesota is going to bring Chicago back a little bit. Give me the Vikings. KC versus the LA Rams. In the real game of the week. I mean, I'm so excited. Did, we, for this did you one. say the game of the week was before? <laughs> that was a joke. Oh, <laughs> it was the second game. But listen, uh, this is such a tough one. I think LA, with everything that's going on in LA, at home now, I, I think that they're going to pull this one out. I have got the Rams in a shootout. I think the Rams get one or two more stops. That Chiefs defense is really bad, and they haven't been found out yet, but I think the Rams are going to expose them this week. Yeah, I don't see the Rams being stopped by any team this regular season. Give me the Rams. And that is it. I try to do an NPR voice. Anyways, guys, that is our NFL pick. Make sure to tune in. Follow us on WFUV Sports on Twitter to find out who had the greatest record uh, after this week. We appreciate all of you joining us. Uh, Devin Clemente, Evan Janikin, and Jimmy Sullivan. We all wish you a wonderful weekend. Thank you for joining us this week on NFL Friday. And we'll see you back NF- next Friday for NFL Friday. Anyways, have a good weekend, guys. Bye for now.